1: the unbelievable podcast I am BJ Rydell back here with my guy Drew Mahold and today well we are back from our second hiatus in about a month and (laughs) (laughs) we we do apologize for uh, not really having any shows up the last couple weeks Uh, obviously things have been busy with the 4th of July and the summer getting rolling and honestly I just had other stuff that needed to get taken care of so um We are back, and we're excited for training camp and so forth. So for the next couple weeks here, our game plan will be to sort of get you guys prepped, uh, make sure that we're, you know, not necessarily all on the same page, but we're all discussing the right subjects, right? So uh, that's kind of the goal for today, next week, and then once we get into camp, we'll kind of see where we're at and reevaluate at that point in time. But uh, today, Drew and I are going to spend the entire show uh, discussing whether or not the Vikings are contenders or pretenders. Yep, I know everyone is talking about that, and yes, I know you've heard that stupid saying for years and years, and most of the time, teams aren't contenders or pretenders. They're probably somewhere in the middle, but we're still going to have this discussion nonetheless, because this has become somewhat of a fiery subject in Vikings territory. Uh, whether its I mean, our- this
0: happens every year. At it this does. Time. But- at this time, you know, the... Fans get excited about the season. They find reasons for optimism. Um, you know, I, I'm not gonna call this person by name, but one of my good friends is a Jaguars fan, and he was even trying to tell me, yeah, eight to nine wins is is what I'm thinking this year. And so right, uh, you know, it, it happens to everybody, and it's important, at least from my perspective as we get into this. My perspective is gonna be keep it, keep the expectations measured. Um, jumping back on this train that the Vikings are you know double digit wins automatically I, I i'm not on board and we'll talk about that here but this is the time of year expectations are high excitement is high and that's why these discussions uh you know they people love to hear about them and i think it's important to to go over what we think because our audience is curious
1: absolutely and i mean you look at you know first and foremost we want you and we want ourselves to be excited right we want to be optimistic about 2021 and beyond and Uh, What this show likes to do, though, or I think what Drew and I have done well for Jesus. Honestly, it's been close to half a decade now is we try to keep, you know, a level like a level level line of thinking. Right. And try to kind of uh, remain objective in the face of a sport and really a fandom that is completely subjective. Right. You try to figure out what really makes sense. So that's kind of what our goal here is today. It's not to downgrade your, your feelings or, you know, if you want if you think the Vikings are a Super Bowl contender and you're fired up about that, that's a good thing. We want that. You're a great fan. We're all about that. But there are some things that we want to poke holes in, and there are some things that we want to, you know, potentially level expectations out on. Here's the thing with the Vikings is that they're in a – Fairly unique situation this year. Not to say that they've never been in this situation before, but this is kind of an interesting year. You've got so many players returning on defense from injury. You've got new playmakers. You've got a rebuilt offensive line. You've got Justin Jefferson going into year two and, you know, interested to see what he might do um, in his sophomore year. You've got Adam Thielen aging. You've got Irv Smith going into basically his first full year as the TE1. Um, there's a lot of changes, and the one consistent thing is Kirk Cousins, which, of course, is the most polarizing player on this entire roster. So there is you know, stuff to be said for both sides here. There is stuff to be said for the Vikings being a true contender, notwithstanding everything going on with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay right now, which I know, of course, is not part of the Vikings' 53-man roster, but it does influence what this 53-man throws can do. Right. It matters. Exactly. So Drew and I are going to go through all this. We're not, you know, again, we're not we're not trying to like lower anyone's expectations or anything like that. But we're going to go through the facts as we see them uh, and give you our opinions on that kind of stuff. So that's the goal of today's show. Um, this is an interesting topic because there's not really a good place to start. Right. Uh, I you guess- can start anywhere
0: because there's I mean, there's so many different angles to look at this team. Um, I kind of just want to start with sort of the, and you mentioned why this is a unique scenario, unique situation, unique mm-hmm. year for the Vikings. I think a lot of it is because this year in theory, the way the the team has sort of built the roster and the way they've drafted the way they've altered contracts. Um, I think this year will transform what the next few years will look like quite a bit. Um, I think that a lot of decisions will be made that will change things a ton going into 2022 based on how the team performs this year, Um, whether it's, Kirk Cousins, the franchise quarterback, whether he'll be here, or whether they and you know look to trade him, maybe after a rough season or a disappointing year. Um, Danielle Hunter, same way, he's going to be sort of in a de facto kind of contract year for him. Mm-hmm. Anthony Barr's in a contract year, so there's a lot of kind of um, you know this is the, this is it, and then of course Mike Zimmer, kind of the same way you could you could say
1: Rick Spielman um, as well, probably and Rick degree. Spielman.
0: So this there's a lot sort of riding, I think on. You know, the, a lot of the futures in the organization, whether it's players or coaches or front office, are sort of hinging on this season uh, for the Vikings to do well, which is why I think it's so interesting. And for the Vikings, particularly, I know this happens all across the league every year, but I think it's really, uh, it really pertains to the Vikings this year uh, with how they play this year, how they perform. Uh, really, they need to get back to the playoffs, and then a lot of jobs will be secured. But I think last year really kind of um, warmed up the seats of a lot of people on that team.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so generally what we do on this show when we're trying to evaluate something to the best of our ability that doesn't really have quantifiable evidence is we try to establish a baseline, right? A starting point. And so let's do that first and foremost. I want to establish what's the floor and what's the ceiling based off of the information that we have on our hands. Let's start with the floor here, because I think that, you know, the Vikings are in an interesting position because I don't think the floor is that low right? It's not, this isn't a situation where this team's going to go 2-15 and barring significant injury. Kirk Cousins, for everything that he is and everything that he's not, he is not so bad at the quarterback position that if he plays 17 games in the regular season, the Vikings are probably going to find a way to win 6 of them. Unless something bad happens, then maybe 5. But generally speaking, I think it's probably fair to say that on Kirk's back alone, mind you, the Vikings probably win five games at the least. So I would probably put their floor at five and 12. Yeah,
0: I think so too. I like that. I, th- I think you made a great point. And also I was knocking on wood here. Cause I thought you were going to talk about Kirk's uh, in- lack of, you know, injury history right. at quarterback, yeah. but I also want to touch on that. Like the guy hasn't been hurt and that's why I was knocking on wood. Um, so between Kirk's, you know, for whatever you want to say about him in terms of winning the clutch games, winning on prime time, whatever he wins games against bad teams. Uh, and there is something to be said about that, like always consistently performing well enough to win against the teams you're supposed to beat. I think there is some merit that should be considered there. So for Kirk, I like that five to six wins, I think is the floor. I agree with you there. Um, and then the next question. So what I do want to get into now and where I think the Vikings and I think Vikings fans may be dismissing this. And I know I've kind of, when I've been getting optimistic about the team, I try to remember this part regression is probably likely with this team offensively things went, I think the passing game was almost too efficient. And in a lot of ways, you know, statistically the Vikings were what top 10 in most, I guess, categories, whether you look at cumulative or efficiency stats. Um, and I think regression seems likely, and certainly regression seems likely for Justin Jefferson, just based on that kind of a pop. Um, now I'm not saying he can't, you know, meet that, you know, criteria again, perform that way again this year, or even exceed it, not saying that, but based on history, when guys pop like that in year one, um, chances are they will regress a little bit to the mean in year two. Um, So I think you have to consider that now on the flip side too, we'll talk about defense, but maybe we could kind of start the discussion with the offense. And uh, I think offensively, whether it's Kirk coming back to the mean, whether it's Justin Jefferson coming back to the mean, I just feel like that's going to be a little bit likely here just because Vikings offense has not been that good, um, that efficient in terms of passing the ball. And I think the way Mike Zimmer wants to play, he wants to be ground and pound. He wants to be around the clock. Things are going to be a little bit different if, you know, things kind of go their way a little bit. So I, I see I see the offense taking a step back a little bit, just sim- basically because of regression and like the average, the law of averages, essentially.
1: That's fair. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue with the law of averages in general, right? Because it's the law of averages, right? A <laughs> uh, couple things to add. Uh, first and foremost, Kirk Cousins, this is interesting to point out, uh, something that I don't think ever gets talked about because it's not really that great of an accomplishment, but for our purposes today, in terms of establishing a floor, it's that's an excellent accomplishment. And that's that since Kirk Cousins became a starter in 2015, his teams have never lost more than seven games, or excuse me, never lost more than nine games. So he's never had worse than a re- – worse re- – a worse record as a starter than seven and nine since he began his career as a starting quarterback in 2015 with Washington. Now, a couple things, QB wins don't really matter. I mean, it's a team sport. I I, I hear you guys saying that already. Second thing, he was also on some really bad Washington teams that really shouldn't have won seven games in the first place. The year that he, uh, I believe for a moment, he had the completion percentage record when he's at 69.8 in 2015, That year, that team wasn't good. That team literally got to nine wins somehow. And Kirk Cousins was a big component of that. So we have to factor in the fact that, yes, regression is normal and it's consistent across the league. I've got another example for you right after this that'll show the exact opposite. But when a guy's proved it pretty consistently for six years, it makes it difficult to establish the floor much lower than that number, right? So if he's always won seven games in every single year – He's always played 16 games. Again, like Drew said, knock on wood. If he plays all 16 of them, he's almost surely going to win seven. So the floor can't be much lower than that, in my opinion. So five or six games is probably the floor. Now, getting to the flip side, like what Drew was alluding to, the Justin Jefferson regression, right? We've seen Justin Jefferson talk about this. He's already – you know, I think he's exchanged people
0: accounts. are asking about it. And I mean, it's fair, you know, you're... he's
1: doing the thing that he's supposed to do, right? He's right. saying the right thing. He says, you know what? Say what you want. I'm going to go out there and do my business. You people motivate me, et cetera, et cetera here. I'm here to give you more motivation. Justin Jefferson. Here it is. Right. Odell Beckham jr. Who in modern history, had the best rookie season by a wide receiver, not named Justin Jefferson. I think most people won't debate me on that. There might be a few of you. I'm sure someone's going to bring up Randy Moss because we're all Vikings fans, but Odell Beckham Jr. in terms of consistency, large yardage outputs, touchdowns, flare, et cetera, be the best wide receiver rookie season prior to Justin Jefferson. He averaged 108 yards per game in his rookie season, which for the record, astounding. Led the NFL in terms of that statistic. Since then, he has never even came close to eclipsing that figure, and he hasn't been bad, mind you. He's still a Pro Bowl-level receiver. I know the last couple of years in Cleveland were been eh, eh, but in general, Pro Bowl-caliber receiver, regardless. But there was regression. He has dropped since to 109 yards per game, down to 97 as a sophomore, 86 as a, as a junior, and then if you want to get to his quote senior year, his fourth year in the league, 75 yards per game. So he has experienced regression since he was electric, right? It wasn't necessarily poor regression. You'll still take what was it his sophomore? I mean, that's still
0: really good production. Like that's still like fifty. You know, uh, he's still a a huge threat. And there's also something to be said too about getting a guy more film for opponents to study. You know, you know, and unique game plans defensively, you scheming to defend People him. Start
1: attacking you specifically right. instead of attacking right. Adam I think it's a little reverence. bit
0: different with Odell because when he was with New York and, and then kind of yeah. even to some degree with Cleveland, right? I don't think they had the second receiver that Jefferson does and Thielen do. to kind of yeah. take defense away. But it's, I think, you know, and you could probably go all across the board there. I think. Anquan Bolden would probably be off the top of my head another example where he really had a huge rookie season and then kind of deflated after that. Not that again, not a bad receiver, certainly a Pro Bowl caliber player, but there's it, it's just you can't expect you know I'm I'm just hoping the hands aren't expecting 1,400 yards from Justin Jefferson again because I feel like that'd be a little unfair to the guy. Um, certainly a thousand yards to 1,200 yards that's a fair expectation, um, and certainly. I just, I just don't think it's, it's fair to be like, all right, well, yeah, Justin Jefferson, Pro Bowl receiver once again this year. Like, there's so many good receivers, and it's, it's, it's rare for a guy to repeat that. Like, I would like to know the percentage of 1,400 yard performances that came back again the following year and did that same thing. I, it has to be a pretty rare feat. And uh, well, maybe we'll look that up and have that for another show or something like that. But that's just, it, it doesn't happen often.
1: Exactly. I mean, the simple point here is not to take anything away from Justin Jefferson, although I hope he takes this as a slight, because if it makes him better, I don't care what he thinks I say, (laughs) right? Um, It's not necessarily a slight. It's just that he's probably not going to have that competitive of a year two years in a row there's probably going to be some type of regression it doesn't mean we're not I'm not going to sit here and suggest that he's going to drop off a cliff and not get to a thousand yards I'm suggesting that maybe it's going to be 1,250 yards instead of 1,400 yards this year that's my suggestion I think that it's fair to expect regression when you get you know such a boom from a rookie level player I mean the point that Drew brought up about players watching film that I mean. That's just something that we can't quantify because we don't play football. We're not in the film room. We don't even know what they're looking at. But there might be six coaches out there right now who are scheduled to play the Vikings this year who are intensely staring at Justin Jefferson, trying to figure out how are we going to stop this guy instead of last year. They didn't care who Justin Jefferson was until about week 10 when he was killing everyone. Now they're focused on. I think that it's fair to expect some level of regression just because he's more of a He's more of a, he's hogging mm-hmm. more attention now. He's hogging more superstars opposite from him. So some level of regression there is probably to be expected. Now we just focus on two players. There's fifty one others here that are gonna be on the roster, right? You look at the defense. I think most of us are expecting the defense to ascend, right? I yeah. think that's so fairly... this is the
0: opposite of what I'm saying offensively. Exactly. Defensively, the you know, positive regression is more likely to happen here. Uh between how the injuries unfolded last year and, you know, the way that they've assessed or, you know, addressed the needs, you know, I I still am really concerned about, well, cornerback depth a little bit, but also the other pass rusher opposite Hunter. Those two things are really concerning to me, but in general, things slid quite a bit last year, uh, especially when you compare it to sort of the, what, what, would what most would consider the law of averages to be under Mike Zimmer when, you know, they're a top 10 defense. Uh, And last year, I don't know, whatever metric you want to look at, but certainly not top 10, the law of averages would suggest this team will become an above average defense again this year. Um, And especially if they can get a little bit of injury luck in there, and maybe that balances out some, this team will return to that, you know, almost elite category uh, without question. So from that sense, the whole law of averages thing, while it might hurt the offense, I think it'll help the defense quite a bit in that
1: regard. Right. So, understanding what the quote average point is for the vikings defense again we can't figure that out but the point that drew makes stands regardless of whether we can identify that point or not right you look at what mike Zimmer has accomplished throughout his nfl career whether it's as a defensive coordinator a defensive backs coach you know an assistant coach a head coach um, what happened last year defies all odds right vegas would not have set the Vikings as the worst defense in the NFL or the second worst defense in the NFL relative to total yardage relative to total points scored on average, et cetera. That would not have even came close. It was completely ridiculous in term. It blows out the water. Any statistic just on the opposite side, the side that we hate and the one that we don't want to deal with. Right. But it happened. There are outliers. I expect last season to be a significant one. Now, Are the Vikings a top 10 defense this year? Hard to say. Are they probably better than the 15th overall rated defense relative to total yards and total points allowed on average? I'd like to think so. So a hop from ranked, what was it, like 30th and 31st in those two categories up to 14th? If that's the, quote, regression to the mean, if the mean we're establishing is team number 15, the Vikings might surpass that, right? Yeah. They might not just they might not just get back to that figure. They might blow right by it and have a top ten defense. It's plausible. Right. That's on the table yeah. this year with Hunter back, Bar back, Pierce playing for the first time, Dalvin Tomlinson Kendrick's coming back. in, Kendrick's Sheldon Richardson, back. a full bill of health,
0: Patrick Peterson. You <laughs> <Patrick laughs> can go on and on, like
1: exactly a full bill of health, and this team is going to be quote fine defensively, whereas last year. They were nothing short of a liability. Nothing short of it. No way around it. I mean, every Worst week, Vikings practically, I, I was
0: looking up. I was looking up on Google who was playing at cornerback for the Vikings week in and week out because I didn't right. know who it was. Mark and Fields? same thing you said for linebacker, when Kendricks and Barr were, were gone, I, I didn't know where they were. So um, it took, for the Vikings to get to that point where every week, like somebody knew that you'd never heard of was starting, that takes some crazy – Injury bad luck, um, but at the same time, it, it, something to be said, too, about the way the roster was built and not having the depth in the first place. Um, but also, like, there's the odds that that kind of combination of injuries happens again, slim. And you're going to you can once again rely on your star players. You have Michael Pierce not sitting out, as far as I know, for COVID. Anthony Barr's back on a contract here, mind you. Mm-hmm. Eric Hendricks is still a top three minimum uh, middle linebacker in the NFL. Daniel Hunter back, seem, seemingly healthy, again, motivated by his contract situation as well. Uh, so there's plenty to be optimistic about on that side of the ball. And I should also add, Mike Zimmer's defense last year on third down, actually very good, despite all of the things we have said. So he still got it when it comes to third down. He never lost that part of his, you know, of his arsenal, so to speak. He's always had that fastball on third down, always been excellent scheming in those scenarios. And if he gets back his full complement of athletes and star players, uh, I'm only more excited for that to come back and be able to rely on the Vikings in any third down to, you know, 75% of the time get that stop.
1: Absolutely. It's a lot easier to judge a coach's prowess as a play caller in a situational yeah. s- area as opposed to the total body of work. Right. Because there's so much influence that goes into that full body of work. Whereas when you're focusing in on a third down situation, as you're stating here, we can read zone too. Yeah. We can see what Mike Zimmer does. We can see the mind working. Right. And we can look at, okay, he has identified the offense here, despite the fact that he has Mike Mark fields playing outside cornerback. He's still getting stops on third down as a result of schematic excellence. That's something that has not changed, so I'm with you. That's a good thing. That's a good sign that suggests that situational football is still tops for Mike Zimmer. It's, to me, simple put. simply put, the guy can still coach. We don't have to worry about that either. Okay, So now we've got full complement of defensive assets coming back. We've got new players being infused. I have no idea what type of an influence that Patrick Peterson might have on Cameron Dansler, for example. That could be really, really good. Um, you look at that type of thing offensively we went over the kind of the, the key tr- contributors, obviously Dalvin cook got to stay healthy for like at least 14 games. I don't think we're going to even get that knowing his injury history, but if you can get 14 from Dalvin cook, Adam Thielen can stay healthy for 14 or 15. Uh, of course, these being needs to play in the big games. Of course, the green Bay one, right. but assuming you get a full bill of health from all these guys, right? We've seen the peak now, or we've seen at least what kind of the peak might look like for most of the Vikings players on this team. We know that Adam Thielen can be, a, you know, a 1300, 1400 yard guy with 15 touchdowns on a good on a good year. We know that Justin Jefferson, what he can do based off his rookie year. We know who Kirk Cousins is. I know who Kirk Cousins is, even if some of you still want to debate me. We know what his ceiling looks like and how his hot streaks look like if he gets going for three, four weeks in a row. We have a pretty good idea of what this defense's limit is in terms of, you know, Daniil Hunter probably a you know a potential 20 sack guy at some point if he can stay healthy, you know. We know who Michael Pierce is. He's been in the league long enough. Dalvin Tomlinson, the same thing. Anthony Barr to a degree as well, depending on if he's played the same way in the scheme or not. And Eric Kendricks, of course, you know what you're going to get. And then, I mean, I don't don't think I even need to say anything about Harrison Smith. He's been the same guy for about 10 years. So across the board, if you get a full bill of health now, let's say you're getting 16 games from all of these dudes. This is how you determine the true ceiling of a team. You get a full 16. How many games does this team win, assuming that you get – 16 games out of all 53 of these guys, you know, you get some development from guys like, I don't know, Patrick Jones is probably expected to have to do some damage on like, you know, a perfect year for him, a high ceiling year for him. You might get some, you know, nice snaps from Janarius Robinson as well. Jalen Twyman. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some high ceiling players that are young Christian Derrissaw. I think he could be very, very good. High ceiling wise, right? We don't really know what the rookie curve looks like. Same could be said of Cleveland. I think that you look at all of these guys, the ceiling in total probably looks pretty damn good.
0: I think right? so. I think so. And I think I've said that throughout the off season, right? Like this team with the, now the health thing is always the wild card. like in any NFL team, right? We saw the 49ers last year, yeah, super high exactly. uh, expectations. They had all kinds of injuries worse than the Vikings could have imagined even given given in the Vikings was pretty bad. Uh, and then their season was completely wiped out. Um, and they drop to what six. I don't even read the record. I don't know what the record was. Six and ten, Doesn't seven matter. and nine, something. Doesn't matter. Um, I I think if the Vikings are fully healthy and they're I think from their starting roster, the starting depth chart is very good, give them ten to eleven wins, I think. And that's probably not the ceiling. The ceiling is honestly probably a little higher than that. Um, but I'd feel safe predicting double digit wins
1: mm-hmm.
0: knowing and having a good like like knowing ahead of time they're gonna be healthy all year.
1: So, yeah, I I agree that, you know, if everything falls into place, double-digit wins is is almost certainly going to happen. This also assumes, you know, this ceiling, right, since we're talking about record, we're also talking about Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to include in this ceiling that Aaron Rodgers is not playing for Green Bay because that – I'll add
0: a couple of wins then to my total. That's that's part of it, right? I
1: mean it is, right? Uh, because as much as he's not on the team, he's still impacting how this team can proceed and how well they will do. So I think the ceiling is actually a little bit higher than that. I'd say the ceiling is probably 13 or 14 games, given everything falling right into place. Now we're Minnesotans. We know that things are not going to always fall into place. So that number that I just gave you 13 and 14 wins really I mean, that's, doesn't that's matter. Essentially for anything what happened in 2017
0: discussion. minus I, I, you know, I say that, and actually what happened was the Vikings' start, uh, starting quarterback was lost for the year. But um everything else, but you everything know, th- there was, there was nothing. Game. Right. And defensively, I, I don't even remember an injury looking great. back at that year. So it it's unreal. unreal, and that's what happened to the Bears the following year with the Trubisky going them 4 So <laughs> things like that happen, and they're rare. And so that type of thing, probably not happening, and which is why my expectations for the year, um, you know, I'm just going to cut to the chase here in terms of yeah, contender versus pretender. I say pretender. And it's because I'm not going to trust the that that kind of stroke of injury luck. And I don't like the depth on this roster as a in total throughout all the positions. There's some good depth in some positions, but like for example, if Thielen or Jefferson misses a game, I do not trust anybody to step up and be wide receiver two. That's on the roster at this moment. Uh, same with the offensive line. You have some young guys, some rookie, two starting rookies, I think, at this point. Um, and then even behind them, uh, based on what we, you know, we saw last year, don't love that. Defensively, I do I very much dislike what's happening opposite to Neil Hunter right now, whether it's Wanham or Weatherly or whoever else could step in there. Um now I like some of the picks that were made to address that, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna assume a fifth round or fourth round rookie is gonna step in and be Hard a valuable contributor opposite Hunter where, you know, make them a threat. Right. Uh, same thing at corner. While Patrick Peterson has been a star in the past, I'm a little bit skeptical of what he still has left. Mm-hmm. Um Now going to be a great voice in the locker room for those guys for sure. So there's a lot of concerns I have, especially, I mean, a linebacker too. I don't like the depth either behind Barr or Kendrick. So overall, you know, I'm not going to expect, cause it's just unreasonable to expect these guys to all stay healthy for 17 games. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. um and that's why i have a lot of concerns i think if there's a few injuries things will drop off significantly i got this team right around 500 this year and i don't think that'll be enough to be a contender so officially my stance is pretender as of right now
1: okay so a couple things to cover here in terms of determining pretender or contender right so we're establishing that 13 14 is the best the worst in this situation probably five or six um the happy medium in there is about for Drew's placing them, to be honest with you, right around that 500 mark, right around that eight and nine mark, that nine and eight mark. Somewhere I, gu- the- I
0: guess my gut would say eight and nine okay. based on everything we saw so talked about today. So
1: that's the reasonable average between the ceiling and the floor, right? And that makes sense. That's a very reasonable take. Now <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of moving parts here that have improved the Vikings chances of not hitting that floor. A couple of things. Last year, defensive tackle and cornerback, as we've already stated, had nothing. The Vikings were screwed. They didn't have Michael Pierce. They didn't have Dalvin Tomlinson. Shamar Steffen, I believe, started 16 games and played about 60% of the snaps in every single one of those games. That's something that's going to be way different. He's not even close to the roster anymore. Now, if Michael Pierce or Dalvin Tomlinson goes down, you do have Sheldon Richardson, which, yes, is gonna, it's going to require some type of an adjustment. Schematically, because it's two, a three technique and a nose. Basically, you know what I'm saying. But you do have that depth. And the same can be said at corner. While we don't really know what's going to happen with Jeff Gladney, we do know that Bashad Breland's going to be there this year. We do know that Harrison Hand, for example, has been progressing, and you kind of like his status this year as a. Mackenzie Alexander too. Yeah, Mackenzie Alexander as well. You've got more depth at these key key positions that really killed the Vikings last year. So to me, that is going to inherently boost the floor because worst case scenario, you lose Patrick Peterson. I don't love that, but you can step in with Bashad Breeland or Mackenzie Alexander and kind of work around your deficiencies this year. No chance to do that last year. You have a chance to do that this year. So I'm going to raise the floor a little bit in that regard. Daniil Hunter coming back in and of itself, to me, adds value to this team whether it's just straight up like the kind of the substantial value that I can't quantify because he's just there and he's making everyone around him better by destroying one-on-ones and by opening up holes for linebackers to make tackles, or it's literally the sack numbers. 14 sacks is going to make a huge difference if he gets to that type of number this year. The Vikings did have a guy over, what, six last year? And that was the dude that got shipped to Baltimore? Yeah, and Gakwe was
0: the leader with five in, like, five games, you know? So
1: Exactly. So these type of things can have a heavy, heavy influence on not hitting that floor. And, yes, if Hunter goes down, all of a sudden you're kind of right back to square one because I don't know who's going to sack the quarterback then. Because you make a good point. I don't know.
0: I don't know. It's great
1: to have an interior But if you don't have a guy that can come around the edge and make use of those guys eating up the lanes, I mean, they're, you're screwed, right? Like, I don't really know. I don't have analysis for this. Like if if you don't have it, you can't rush it. Right. Like that's how it is. Right. So if Hunter goes down, you got a real problem. If cousins goes down, I still like, I like, I like Kellen Mond. I think he potentially could be something. I don't like him this year. I think that if Kirk Cousins goes down, this team is royally screwed. Like, you might lose three games. Or excuse me, you might win three games if Kirk Cousins goes down. So, put that in conjunction with the fact that you know Dalvin Cook's going to get hurt at some point. It's just the type of player he is. It's, it's the type of way that he runs. It's how hard he plays the game. It's the injury history. It's all of these things he's probably going to miss a game or two. That makes me really nervous because that could easily become – if it's a hamstring, it could easily become two, three, four games, and all of a sudden you're missing the Packers game or you're missing the Bears game or you're missing these very high-consequence games and you've got a problem. But the real thing for me is like outs – like, yes, you mentioned the beyond Jefferson and Thielen, that wide receiver three, you don't really have one. How about target number three? I'm concerned about Irv Smith. I think he's a good player. I like this guy. I have rooted for him since they drafted him in the second round. And I think all of us have seen bright spots from his career. He's amazing with the ball in his hand. He's great detached or attached from the line of scrimmage, or maybe I shouldn't say great, but he is improved at least as a blocker. I think he's getting better, but is 400 yards and three touchdowns going to be enough to get you to nine, 10, 11 wins or hit that ceiling that we just broke that we just described. I don't think so. I think Kirk Cousins needs that touchdown target to replace Kyle Rudolph cuz for everything Kyle Rudolph was Ru- Rudolph was not last year, he did catch a sh- crap load of touchdowns. And the Vikings don't really have a red zone threat right now. Adam Thielen is your red zone threat or Dalvin Cook is your red zone threat. more,
0: Thielen is a very good red zone. He's threat, good. But... He's
1: good. But he's not going to go up and out jump you. Definitely not at this age probably. I mean, my point being here is that you don't have a ton of options beyond your the guys that are going to be on, you know, the posters outside yes, the stadium. I, I
0: agree. They need a third option in the passing game. It doesn't have to be. A it receiver, doesn't have to I be
1: think. Irv, but it should I mean, be Irv probably. Yeah. If
0: it should be Irv, I, he should be. It, it's, it's a big step. It is a big step, you know, taking that step from now. He did get a lot of experience last year because mm-hmm. Rudolph missed some games. So, um, But I, I, you know, I I like Irv. I think he's got the skill set and the athletic ability to to make it happen. So I think he's ready. It's just a good point.
1: I think it's fair to say I have questions, despite seeing the body of work to date. But if he can go off, I mean, again, this goes the other way too. I'm trying to establish floor, but if he goes off and he becomes, which he could, like he could, if he becomes Evan Ingram, right? Which I think is fair. Uh, a guy that's going to catch a good amount of balls, guy that's going to tally in a lot of receiving yards, probably right around 700-ish. With those mismatches four or five against slow
0: linebackers. Like.
1: Exactly. If he can become Evan Ingram, the Vikings have a very good shot to have a, a a very, very good target outside those number one and two guys. Now, of course, the overall, the hinging factor, the thing that has killed the Vikings for, what, five years now? The offensive line. Right? Christian Derisaw looks good. Wyatt Davis looks good. Garrett Bradbury, high potential. We've kind of seen signs of Been shaky, shaky. Yeah. We've seen some maturation. We've seen some bad things. I still have some level of hope. I think it's fair for all of you guys to have some level of hope for him as well. Ryan O'Neill going to be good. Very excited about him. I think that's That's one of those guys where you could bet it and you're, you're going to get the results. He that could be
0: getting an extension prior to training camp here too. Coming up. Right.
1: He deserves it. Right. So yeah. then that leaves Ezra Cleveland. And he has question marks as well. So, basically, I just rattled off five guys here who are going to be protecting your number one asset. Whether you believe it or not, Kirk Cousins is your number one asset in 2021. And four of them have question marks yeah. and fairly substantial question marks, which, generally speaking, if we're going to use the law of averages, probably two of those guys are going to be bad. Probably.
0: Just yeah, now, two might be
1: good, two are going to be bad.
0: probably better
1: than last year.
0: I mean, <laughs> if, it's, if it's just two versus three, like – you know, I think there was probably, what, three guys last year on the line that were bad for the most part.
1: Uh, so You could make me make four.
0: I mean, yeah. <laughs> you could you can make a case. So, it's just they're addressing it. They addressed it with draft picks.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying like they're not the going through the, the right process. I'm saying that right now yeah, I'm nervous it's, it's, still about it's, this it's, potential it's, team.
0: You should still be concerned if you're a Vikings fan about the offensive line. Absolutely. You shouldn't be relieved of it because they went first-round pick and they went third-round mm-hmm. pick and mm-hmm. got – to like, the, the fact that they have to start immediately is not a good thing. Like <laughs> it's because there's nothing else there. So they have uh, to respond.
1: It, they have to become right. first and third round quality players. I mean, right. we've seen that happen. We've, we saw Matt Khalil. I mean, Matt, Khalil hey, he looked, had a amazing a rookie. Season. <laughs> amazing. Right. We've seen it happen. We've also seen it happen. You know, we've gotten good mid round picks as well. I mean, uh, that one guy, uh, that Buffalo wide receiver comes to mind that digs digs. Yeah. yeah. He comes to mind. So, I mean, things can happen here. There is high potential here for a guy like Wyatt Davis, who is, you know, started multiple years at Ohio State, knows what he's doing. He could step in and be really, really good. But averages suggest that he's probably going to be average or below average. The same could probably be said about Christian Darosaw and Ezra Cleveland as well. I think it's also fair to make that case, probably even to a greater degree, for Garrett Bradbury. So really, the one thing that you can count, that you can really count on is your right tackle, and that's Ryan O'Neill, and you should be excited about him. I am excited about him. But that mm-hmm. leaves eighty percent of the offensive line up in the air, which. It's hard to call a team a contender when there's that many questions. It's not to say this team cannot become or doesn't already have the talent on the roster to be a contender. But it's hard to make a firm case without objective information and answers. I don't have answers for this team right now. I need I, – I'm not, not going to have them on September 1st either. We need right. to see about I mean, a month. Okay. I need a football before well, yeah. you really know. Why Dan can have for. a great camp. He can that's have what
0: overanalyzing camp. training camp is for. Yeah,
1: you know? exactly. That's what we're that's what we're here for. All
0: right, but give me your give, give me your gut right now. Contender or pretender? <laughs> you got to pick one. Vikings. Are, I think. I mean, I think the Vikings are closer to the middle, but I'm gonna go pretender just because the uh, the depth is just all over my brain.
1: Okay. The Lack of depth. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say contender. Here's why, because I think that ten wins makes you a contender. I think that the Vikings are going to achieve nine or 10 wins. So to me, if I believe they're going to get to nine, that makes them a contender because they're almost getting to 10, which in theory would put them right in the thick of the playoff race. So that makes them a contender. What essentially I'm saying is that they're a borderline contender. They're like right there on the fringe. They could be good enough to make the postseason if a couple of the right things happen. If Aaron Rodgers goes and plays in Denver, this team is an immediate contender. Yes,
0: yes. I will will agree to that. I will agree to that.
1: Absolutely. So if that happens, whole different conversation. If it doesn't happen as we're kind of all expecting that he's going to come walking in and save the day for Green Bay like he always does, it makes it a lot more difficult to win this division just because I have too many questions. Now, if we get to October 1st, the offensive line looks solid. Kirk Cousins is playing a little bit above Kirk Cousins' level of ball. You get the same type of production from Thielen, Jefferson, et cetera. We can reevaluate at that point. But right now, borderline contender. And I say that with the greatest of unease because I'm a Vikings fan. And I know that generally speaking, everything that can go wrong will. That's just how this team has been for my entire life. So, yeah, it's, yes, it's, I want to be optimistic. And, yes, I'm with you guys. I see the value in some of these players and the ultimate ridiculous ceiling of other guys like Kendricks and Jefferson. And hell, even Barr has a crazy ceiling. If you use them the right way, I see it. I'm with you. But then you put that up next to Kansas city, Tampa Bay, green Bay. I mean, pick your poison across the board. There's probably three, maybe four teams in the West alone who will get to the playoffs before the Vikings right now. If things don't change, Arizona is probably more well-constructed. Even
0: the Niners, If they're healthy,
1: the Niners. If they're healthy, the Rams, the Seahawks, all four of those teams could be wild cards. Like all four of them better than the Vikings, Vikings. exactly. And that's my point here is because if you don't win the division, meaning if Aaron Rodgers is there, they're probably going to win the division. So if you don't win the division, then you got to compete with these teams. I don't think they're better than any of those teams. And if they're not, or if they're in the situation where they might compete with these teams, then they are a borderline contender, straight up. I don't see any way around that because if you can't tell me that. Arizona, if you can't confidently tell me that the The Vikings Vikings are not
0: definitively better than six teams in the NFC right now.
1: Right, right. And that matters because the Vikings probably aren't winning the division because Aaron Rodgers still is alive. That's what it comes down to. Like, it's not about the division anymore. All of a sudden, it's about everyone else. And the Vikings are in the top eight team in the NFC right now, I don't think. They can be.
0: Borderline. They're borderline, like you said. They're they're right there. I mean, you probably most of the NFC East, they can, you know, they're probably better than them. Probably Detroit.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a stall in this conversation for a reason. Who else could you name?
0: <laughs> Atlanta, maybe.
1: Maybe. Maybe. They could beat them. I mean, we've seen it happen. Carolina. Maybe. <laughs> Again, like I. Probably. Be Carolina
0: by what a missed field goal last year. So. Yeah,
1: it's Sam Darnold. Now, I mean, you like your odds there. You know. Yeah. I mean, we can go through every single NFC team, and I think that a lot of the answer is just going to be eh, maybe. There's or no,
0: just a no, you get to Green Bay. Right, no, yeah. Seattle and the Rams, and
1: yeah, it's tough. It's a tough. It's a tough thing for me to go hard in on, and the reason why I say that is because I see, I see people that are so over the top that it's like I'm trying to find out how you're getting there. Like, yeah, what are you? Where
0: you get 12 wins or 11 wins? Like,
1: where's it coming from? Because like I can't definitively. I'll look at the. I mean, I'll look at my phone right now. I got the. I got the schedule sitting here right in front of me. You know. Like Cincinnati probably gonna win. Arizona maybe. Seattle maybe. Cleveland probably not. Detroit, eh, probably. Carolina maybe. Dallas maybe. Baltimore maybe. Chargers maybe. Packers probably not. San Francisco <laughs> maybe. Detroit probably. Pittsburgh <laughs> maybe. I mean, like, where's the answer on here? I'm not. I'm not seeing it. I don't see. I don't see any definitive wins here outside of maybe Cincinnati. And I'm saying maybe as <laughs> I Detroit say The Detroit wins.
0: The Detroit wins. Detroit. There you go. There's two wins. Find I don't, the, find I the don't other see eight.
1: How, I don't see how you guys are getting to 12, 13, 14 wins and saying Super Bowl contender when you've got this schedule to look at just like me. That's the thing I don't get here is that I'm all for being optimistic. I'm all for having fun. I'm all for being a fan the way that you want to be a fan because I'm not going to tell you what to do because you're probably an adult listening to this show. But like, I just want. I'm, I'm, tell me the answer. Like, leave it in the comment section for me. I don't. I don't yeah. get how you're getting there. That's where I'm at. So contender, maybe. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. Borderline.
0: Like, I, I, borderline I contender. I can, I can get on board with borderline contender, but officially, my stance is pretender. And if I had to like gun to my head pick one, pretender is my is my pick. Like week seven, week 18 comes around, the Vikings will, will be out of the playoff picture.
1: I I think that's probably a fair assessment. So. Is there any any other firm takes that you have on this team as we stand today that you know we haven't touched on before we get out of here for the day?
0: I don't think so. Uh, I will say, for as maybe maybe this was a grim show for the Viking. I don't know. Maybe it depends on the listener you are, and if you're already kind of a pessimistic person by nature like me. But I think the Saints are due for some serious regression this year. They're going to be a. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch them just melt down. Uh, as an as a team, the way their their salary cap is screwed up right now and. That way they're transitioning to Jameis or Taysom Hill. Uh, Or both. (laughs) Yeah, and it's going to be fun to watch that kind of collapse. So that'll that'll be fun at least.
1: They've earned that collapse for sure.
0: Yeah, they've been putting it off forever too. Like they're just slowly kicking the can down the road and can kind of finally hear now that Breeze is gone. So
1: So we will get a number of these questions answered here in the next couple of weeks. So we'll get a less cloudy vision of what this team may look like this season um, as this team enters training camp. Um, our, our game plan for the next couple of shows, as I said at the top, uh, we'll talk a little bit about important battles, you know, things that you should be keeping an eye on or you know, reading the news about with regard to the Vikings training camp. You know, we talked about that wider th- receiver three spot today on this show. That's obviously going to come up here. We'll discuss yeah. what happens behind Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, and you know how important that role even is. So we'll go into those battles and more. Um, we'll of course continue to follow up on the news and everything that comes up. You know, along the way, but that's the immediate plan for us in the future here. Uh, in terms of the present, go on to the Daily Norseman. Let us know your thoughts. Um, if we're off base, I want to hear it. Like, if you got stats to tell me that I'm out of line for saying that it's ridiculous to call this team a Super Bowl contender, bring them to me. I want to talk about them. I'm here for it. I'm here for the discussion. I'm not mad. I just don't really understand, and I'm here for that answer. So Leave that comment in the Daily Norse and comment section. We love reading that stuff. Uh, as far as the rest of the network goes, make sure to check out Climb in the Pocket, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast. You can find both us as well as the Climb in the Pocket Network. All those guys do a lot of great work, both in video content uh, and audio content. And lastly, of course, if you want to watch this show, it was a fairly animated show. I think I moved my hands around quite a bit, and I think <laughs> Drew even did a couple times. Uh, you can watch this thing on YouTube. We're always available on there as well, Uh, and we will try to be more consistent with our show postings in the future here as we get closer to the season. We're looking forward to this thing too, even if the last 45 minutes plus didn't sound like it. So thank you guys for listening to the show, and we will catch you next week.